everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. All right, so we're, we're talking about um, a way, a way in a manger, a way in the manger. And so um, you know the song, A Way in the Manger, but we're sort of taking a little bit of a different way of saying that. So there is a way a way in a manger. There was a way in the manger um, on that day uh, when the angels appeared and Mary and Joseph delivered their child, named, named him Jesus in that little town of Bethlehem. And he is, according to uh, the word of God and according to the declaration of the angels that night, he is the savior of the world. He's the savior of the world. And he is a way, the way, the way to a heavenly father. So um, A.W. Tozer, um, I, you know, if, if you like reading deep spiritual Christian um, thinkers, um, you should read A.W. Tozer. If you're not one to read deep spiritual uh, thinkers, don't read A.W. Tozer. And especially a guy that goes by A.W., right? A, I mean, you just know that guy's just smart. He's just, he's got, he only goes by two initials. Uh, in his last name, right? Is that normally how it goes? Okay. So, all right. So, A.W. Tozer says, what comes, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So, what comes into our minds when we think about God, and so this time of year, it's about an opportunity time for us to, we think about God, right? We think, you know, God came, sent his son, born, you know, born, you know, and, and, and lived a perfect sinless life, died on a cross, um, and, and rose from the grave. And, and so when we think about, when it comes to mind, when we think about God, it's the most important thing about us. And so the question that I have for you to, to think about, if you haven't already, is what, what do you think? What do you think God is like? Like, what do you think God is like? And that's so important. According to A.W. Tozer, he's a pretty smart guy. He's a lot smarter than me. Um, probably not as smart as you, but he's a pretty smart, smart guy. And he says, that's the most important thing about you is how you think or what you think about God. And I know for me in my life, there's been times in my life where I thought of God, you know, a little bit differently or, or saw God or experienced God or th- thought God was a certain way. For, for example, maybe you think about God as sort of a genie. He's sort of that genie, like whenever, like, this is like, you know, when I was in school, you know, and I'm taking a test that I didn't prepare for, and I'm just praying, God, can you just give me a C on this exam, even though I didn't pray for it, like, just give me, or I didn't prepare for it, but I'm going to pray for it, you know, give me that passing grade, like, God, just, like, or, or for me, I, I, I love playing sports, and, you know, before every game, you know, I lived my life how I wanted to live my life, but, that, but before every game, Lord, just let me score 40 points today, I know I, I'll give you all the glory for it, but if you just let me score 40 so I look sweet, you know, God, just do this. It's like rubbing a, rubbing a bottle. Like, God, just come through for me, right, in, the, in this moment, right? Or, or you're, you're getting ready to get in trouble, you know? And you're like, God, um, if you, you know, like, you're, you, get, you know, the cops are sh- have showed up, right? And you're like, God, if you can get me out of this right now, right? So oftentimes we, we don't, we ignore God, you know, but then when it comes down to it, we have a need. We just sort of rub that genie bottle, hope that God shows up, and we think about God in that way. Sometimes we think about God as sort of like that first responder, right? We don't, 
we don't want them around until we absolutely need them, right? We, 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 we're like, God, does, like, I don't want to have the, you know, the fireman or police chief or whatever to come to me until I absolutely need them. And so we oftentimes think of God in that, in that first responder kind of way. Sometimes we think about God as sort of a taskmaster, right? That God is sort of like far above and way beyond, and he's like in heaven, and we're on this earth, and he's on a throne, and he's all in white, and he's constantly annoyed with us. He's just always grumpy. He's always just un- thinks, when well, we feel like, I can, never, I can never get it right with God. I can never feel like God, I'm, a, I'm in good graces with God. I always have to feel like I have to earn earn my way into good standing with God so that God just isn't always annoyed with me and I have to do and I have to do more and act more and behave better as if God is like God is going listen if you don't straighten it up man you're I'm gonna send lightning down and you're gonna die you're not gonna make it you're right these are the people that are scared to come to church right they're like I don't I ain't coming to church like the building if I as soon as I walk in that building the, the ceiling's gonna collapse on me they think that this is how God is. And, and here's what's also true. God, is God like Santa Claus? Is God like Santa Claus? Yeah? It's not, I mean, that's better than a taskmaster. That's better than a first responder. That's better, right, than a genie, right? right? So is God like Santa Claus? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I, I, but, you know, here's the, the song that we like to sing. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Like, you better clean up your act. You better get it right. He's, a, he's making a list, and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Why? Because Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, here's the the spoiler, a little bit of a spoiler. God is better than Santa Claus. Come on, parents, help me out here. I know, you're like, plug your ears, plug your ears, kids. Pastor's telling some truth now, okay? All right. God is better than Santa Claus. Like, listen, listen. God isn't, you know, making a list. And he certainly doesn't need to check it twice. He doesn't even need to find out who's naughty or nice. You know why? Because God already knows who's been good and who's bad. He already knows who's naughty or nice. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. In spite of your goodness and in spite of your naughtiness, in spite of you being good and in spite of you being bad, God came to town. That's good news. God in heaven, on a throne, King of kings, Lord of lords, said, listen, they are a mess. They are a mess. And man, if I was Santa Claus and I checked the list and I checked it twice, everybody would deserve coal in their stockings. But instead of God giving us coal in our stockings, God gave us his son. And his name is Jesus. And he's full of grace and truth. Isn't that good news? God is better, that he's no taskmaster, he's no genie, and he's no first responder. As a matter of fact, 
God is a perfect heavenly father. God is a perfect heavenly father. Now, I am humble brag right now, okay? I'm a decent father, sometimes a good father, but I am an imperfect father. Did I shock anybody by making that statement? No, of course not. I am an imperfect father. I think I'm a good father, but I'm not a perfect father. I'm certainly not a perfect father. Let me give you a story as an example of that. So about 10 years ago, I was a good dad, good father, and I took my two oldest children for a bike ride. We went to a park, and we went on a bike ride, and we spent some time together, and we had a good time, and then we go get back to the car, and I don't remember all the specifics of it, how all of it went down, but my oldest son, who was about six years old at the time, locked our keys in the car. And I was annoyed. I was annoyed. And so I told him, now I got my six-year-old son, and then I got my four-year-old daughter. So I told him, Nathan, what are you doing? You locked the keys in the car. I know, he's only six, right? I said, you locked the keys in your car. So, so now, now I've got to call the police and they're probably going to come and take you to jail. Yeah. I was annoyed. And he just starts bursting out in tears. And then my four-year-old daughter starts bursting out in tears. And she goes, no, Daddy, no. Don't let the policeman come and take Nathan to jail. I said, too bad. He shouldn't have locked the keys in the car. <laughs> you would think in that moment I would have been like, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, it made me feel better to see them upset because I had to wait for a police. I know, I'm an imperfect, you're like, you're a dork is what you are. You're like, you're a, you're a, you're just, you're worse than imperfect. Like, like, so... I, after a while, and I, the, the, the police, some police officer shows up and, and unlocks the car. It took him like two seconds. And I look over and my two kids are sitting on the grass embracing each other in tears. Not wanting Nathan to go to jail. I said, guys, let's go. He's not going to jail. I'm just kidding, right? Listen, I am an imperfect father. Now, I, I'm good. Like, I'll take my kids on a bike ride. But man, when they tick me off, I get annoyed, right? I get annoyed. Why? Because I'm an imperfect father, but God is not like me. Aren't you glad? God is not, God is not like your father either. God is not like your husband who is a good father. Listen, God is not like that. We are imperfect. Now, here's, a, here's another uh, thing for us. Joseph was an imperfect earthly father. He was an imperfect earthly father. Because here's the scenario, right? Here's the scenario. Mary, you know, uh, is, he's getting ready to uh, get married and complete the, the marriage process with this, you know, young lady named Mary. And, and, uh, and she gets a, 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 you know, a message from an angel, you know, to say that you're going you're gonna to conceive God's son. And, 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 and he's gonna, you're going to name him Jesus and he's going to be the savior of the world. 
And so now Mary, Mary hears this message, right? And now Mary has to go and tell Joseph that message. How do you think that that went? Like, let's just be real. Like, how do you think that that went down? Mary goes to Joseph. Listen, Joseph, I know that we are meant, we're going to get married and we're going to have, you know, but um, I, I just want you to know that um, I am now pregnant and it's not yours. It's God's son. Boy, that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Now, Joseph's going, wait, wait, let me get this right. You're pregnant. It's not mine. And you're telling me that an angel came to you and told you that it's, you're going to bear God's son? Nah. He didn't buy it. He didn't buy it. You know why he didn't buy it? Because he's a human. He's normal. Like you and me. And if somebody came to you and said, yeah, I'm pregnant. I, it's not mine. It's God's. You would be like, uh, you're crazy. You're crazy. And so Joseph, though he was a good man, Joseph, look what it says. It says this in Matthew 1.19. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. He's like, oh, I know, uh, listen, um, I know what you're telling me, and you seem convincing. It's, you seem like you're, you're telling me the truth, but I just, I'm just having a hard time buying it. But because Joseph was a good man, and it says that he was a righteous man, he was an imperfect man. And he decided, you know what, I'm just going to remove myself from this equation, and I'm going to just kind of let you go and do your thing with this child, however this ha happened. But I'm just going to secretly, just, you know, not, so that you're not disgraced. I'm just going to divorce you secretly so that you don't have to go through the fullness of the shame of bearing a child out of wedlock and all the things that they experienced in that culture. But then, here's what happens. But when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say this. The angel says this. Behold. Remember what was written in Isaiah? Remember what was written? This is the angel. Remember what was written 500 years ago? Through a prophet Isaiah? Long before this moment happened. Do you remember that? And the angel draws him to the word of God. And the prophecy in the word of God. That tells us this in Isaiah. It says, Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Or in other words, God came to town. God came to town. And Joseph decided, okay, I will be present with you. I will, I believe that this is what God did. I believe that through the scriptures written hundreds of years prior to this moment, that this is what God is doing in the world, and God came to our town. 
And he's Emmanuel. He's Emmanuel. You see, just like a good father, God is a perfect father. And for us, it's this. To be fully present, to be fully present is the best present you can give to the world. To be fully present is the best gift or present you can give to the world. And this is what God did. And they were so glad that God was present with them. Now they were, I'm sure Mary was glad that Joseph was also present with her. Because not long after she heard the news that she was going to conceive a child, that there was a census that was taken by Caesar Augustus, that all people had to register for this poll tax, and they all had to go and return to their town. And so eight, almost nine months into Mary's pregnancy, she and Joseph have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is a 70-mile ride on a donkey. Now, I don't know about you, but nine months into a pregnancy, that doesn't sound very fun, does it? And I'm sure Mary was so grateful that Joseph was present. But I'm also, I'm also certain that, that Mary and Joseph were so grateful that God was with them the whole way. And even when they showed up to that town in Bethlehem, you know the story, there was no room in the inn. There was no room in the inn. Like, there's nowhere to stay. I mean, my, you know, Joseph's going, my wife, she's just getting ready to have a child, and there's no place for her. And the innkeeper's like, no, we're full, man. Everybody came into town, you know, for this poll tax thing. He's like, there's no room. You can, you can go, and you can go into this cave. Well, that sounds fun, doesn't it? Well, I'm sure Mary was glad that Joseph was present with her. But I'm sure Mary and Joseph were, were, was glad that God was present with them. And she delivers this child in this cave. And she places that child in a manger after she wraps him in swaddling clothes. You see, the presence of God is the most important thing that you and I can have in our life. It's the presence of God that you and I all need. It's the presence of a perfect heavenly father who doesn't love you like your father loved you, whether that was a good or a bad thing. And even a good father, he's so much better than a good father. He's a perfect father. And what we need, what we need in this Christmas season and in every season of our life, we need the presence of God with everything that we do. Mary and Joseph were so glad that God was with them. David wrote it this way. David says this in Psalm 16. You will make known to me the way of life. In a manger is a way. And he says, you, through the, your son, you make known to me the way of life. And in your presence, in your presence is the fullness of joy. You won't find it anywhere else in this world, by the way. You won't find the joy in, in this world anywhere. You, you may find happiness, which happiness is fleeting, right? Happiness is uh, Christmas morning when you wake up and you open all of those presents and you give all of those presents away. That's happiness. And then sometime in January, you get the bill for all of those presents. And where does your happiness go? It's gone. Am I right? Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is fleeting. But here's what the presence of God offers us. The presence of God offers us the fullness 
of joy. Because joy is non-circumstantial. Joy is different than happiness. Joy is whatever it is that we're experiencing. We can still know that God is present with us. And that's the fullness of joy. And he says that in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Think about this. Think about who wrote this. David wrote this. You know David, the guy who killed the giant? That's the, that's the guy who wrote this. Now, if anybody could boast at his accomplishments in their life, it, was, it would be King David, right? If anybody could say, oh, man, like, I slayed a giant. Not only did he slay a giant, he killed a bear. Like, I don't know how good your glory days were back when you were in high school and, and what an incredible athlete you were, guys. But your story is lame compared to, to David's story. Am I right? We're living the glory days, right? Of, of, and David's going, listen, that's not where pleasure is found. That's not where the fullness of joy is found. It's not found in this life. It's only found in the presence of God. Because he's the one that makes the way to life, life abundant. And it's in his right hand where there's pleasures forever. John wrote it this way in John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only son from the Father. And when we saw him, John's going, we saw him. Like, we walked with him. We spent time with him. He was God in a bod. He was God in flesh. He, we, we saw him. The word of God became flesh, and it dwelt among us. He came to our town. And when we saw him, we saw his fullness of his glory, and he was full of grace and truth. You see, we get this wrong sometimes. We think he was like 50% grace and 50% truth. No, he was the fullness, the fullness, the fullness of grace and truth, and truth. And so Jesus, for us, C.S. Lewis writes it this way. Again, another smart guy with two initials, right? Jesus is what the Father has to say. Jesus is what the Father wants to say. If you want to know what God is up to, if you want to know what God is doing in your life, you look to Jesus. If you want to know what God is, up, is about, if you want to know what God is, is, want, wants to do in your life, you look to Jesus in the Gospels. You look to the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. You don't need to look inside or look outside. You need to just look to one spot, one place, and that's Jesus. Because C.S. Lewis says Jesus is what the Father has to say to both of us. So Jesus wants to illustrate this for us as we wrap up this morning. Jesus illustrates it this. And here Jesus tells a tale. The tale of two fathers. You have a perfect and an imperfect father. And one day Jesus was praying. And his disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now what a crazy question to ask. Because these were good young Hebrew guys who spent their whole life growing up learning and praying different prayers. But they saw Jesus pray in a different way. And so they come to Jesus, and look what it says uh, in Luke 11.1. 1. And it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught 
his disciples. Verse 2. And he said to them, when you pray, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. In other words, he says, the way that you need to see God, you don't need to see him like a genie. You don't need to see him like a tax master. You don't need to see him like Santa Claus. The way that you need to see God, because that's the most important thing about you, is the, the way that you see God, is that he says, I want you to see him as a perfect heavenly father. Oh, and by the way, he is still holy. Holy be his name. And it's about his kingdom come. It's not about our kingdom. It's about his kingdom. And then he goes and he illustrates this for us. Look what he says. He says, now which of you fathers will his son ask for a fish, and instead of a fish, he will give him a snake? Right? Like, how, like we got some good fathers in the room, right? So how many of you fathers, if your kids ask for some Swedish fish, does anybody want Swedish fish, by the way? Okay, there you go. How many of them, or instead of a fish, does anybody want what's in this box? Instead of a fish, You got two things. Oh, he's got the fish and you got the whatever that thing is. Hold it up. Show everybody. It's not really a snake. Okay. You'd have been like, if I would have thrown a real snake, you'd have been like, man, I'm out of here and never coming back again. You're like, you are not just an imperfect father, but you're a terrible pastor, right? Terrible pastor. How many, he's like, he's like come on, dads, dads. You, you're a good dad. If your child asks you for a fish, which is this is in this time now, today's day and age, my kids would just ask me for a snake, and they would be annoyed if I gave them a fish instead, right? They're like, well, I asked for a snake, right? I want a snake. Or he says in verse 12, he says, or will he even ask for an egg, and his father will give him a scorpion? Hold on. Who wants the sucker? All right, here you go. Now, do you want the sucker, do you want the sucker, this sucker, or the sucker with the scorpion in it? How about both? You take them both, all right? I'll let your dad decide whether you eat that sucker with a scorpion or not. Right? He's going, listen, even a good, imperfect father will do for their kids what they can do. And then look what he says. So if you, despite being evil, I mean, that's a pretty harsh thing to say. It's like, if you, despite being evil, like, you know, the, the, you know, the guy that threatens his kid that, that he's going to take him to jail, right? Know how to give good gifts to your children. 
how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's going, listen, your heavenly Father wants to give you the greatest gift of all. It's the presence of God in your life forever. It's the presence of God, whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, whatever hardships you feel, that you can know that there's a heavenly father that says, listen, I have something to give to you. It is my very presence called the spirit of God that can come and dwell and be with you forever. And that is where you'll find the fullness of joy. And is that where you'll find in his right hand pleasures forever. You will never find it anywhere else in this life. You will only find it in the presence of God. And that's the Christmas message. Santa Claus didn't come to town. God came to town to be with you forever. There's joy and there's peace and there's grace and there's truth. So I don't know how you see God, but I hope today that you walk away knowing that he's a God who loves you and he gave his son for you and for me. And we put our faith in him, not because we're good or bad or naughty or nice, but when we put our faith in him, you will know what it's like to experience the fullness of joy. That's why when the angel showed up, hey, good news of great joy for all people. The sinners and the saints. It's for all people. And he's your savior that you need. And he is Christ the Lord. After Jesus was born, they took Jesus to be dedicated. It was a way for them as parents, Mary and Joseph, to present Jesus as a present from the world. So he was a gift from God. He was a good gift from God, the presence of God with us, Emmanuel. And they brought Jesus, and they presented Jesus in the temple back to the Heavenly Father. They said, God, they, they said, God He's yours anyways. He's yours anyways. And, and a good parent will know that. A good parent will know that whatever they get is, is a gift from God. Whatever children that you have to raise, is, they're, they're God's anyways. And, the, and you have a gift from God. And, and, and you and I should always look at the way that Mary and Joseph looked at it as if we are stewarding this, ch this child of, because of what he's going to be. So they presented him back to God in the temple. And when they showed up, when they showed up, there was a man by the name of Simeon that was there. And Simeon, it was revealed by God that he, before he died, that he was going to see the Christ. He was going to see the Savior of the world. And so when Mary and Joseph showed up into the temple, Simeon comes and he 
you know, God revealed to him through his spirit, that, through the Holy Spirit, that this is, this is the child that, they, that he's been looking for. This is the person that he's been waiting for. This is God with us. This is Emmanuel. This is the Savior of the world. And then it says this. The man says, now, Lord, you are letting your bondservant depart in peace according to your word. Why? Because God told Simeon, you're going to see, you're going to see salvation. Then he says in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And there is, by the way, there is no other name other than the name of Jesus that you can be saved. There is no other name. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father unless it's through Jesus. And this guy said, I now see salvation. That my life, that I can live forever, forever, can now be in the presence of a heavenly Father who loves me, who came to me, and who died for me so that I can know what it means to have eternal life. That's good news, everybody. What do you think? That's good news. Look what he says next. Which you have prepared in the, say with me, presence of all the people. He says, God, you showed up. And in your presence that you prepared ahead of time so that all people can know what it means to have eternal life. Can no longer now live in darkness, but now live in this marvelous light. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. You don't have to find fleeting happiness anymore. You can find the fullness of joy in his presence. Because this message, by the way, is for all people. All people. And look what he says next. A light. A light. For revelation for the Gentiles. This is really good news. The message of Jesus was not just for a specific nation. The message of Jesus is for the entire world. This message of Jesus is not confined to this little building in this little city called Walled Lake. This message of Jesus is a global message. Come on, how is it that 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem that a child was born and he grew up and, and according to uh, writings that is no, no other historical writings can even compare to the historical uh, writings that we have of our New Testament. Come on, anybody. And, and now, 2,000 years later, we are celebrating the birth of a, of a man who was just a carpenter's son, a, a Jewish man in Nazareth who lived at publicly for only three years, maybe three and a half years, who died on a Roman cross. And we are gathered here today celebrating his birth. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a miracle to me. And that message, that message is so that you and I, Gentiles, can no longer live in darkness. 
and now have life. And now be in life. And the glory of your people, all people, and not just in Israel, but the whole entire world. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm going to invite you to stand. The band's going to come. And we're going to, as a picture of the fact that light came to you, we're going to have a time where we light our candles. And I want you to think about something. I want you to think about this. I want you to think as, as, as you are lighting your candle or somebody next to you is lighting your candle. I want you to think about how 2,000 years ago, from a little town in the Middle East, that that message of what that man did and who that man claimed to be got to you and got to me. And by receiving the grace of God, the gift of his presence that will go with you wherever you go in this life so that you can experience the fullness of joy and pleasures forever. That you are what Jesus says, just like I'm the light of the world, you are now the light of the world. And you no longer have to live in darkness. You can now live in the light of life found in Jesus. That message, that good news of great joy got to you. And if you never have received that message ever, if you've maybe heard this or maybe, you know, hearing this maybe for the first time, you're here today not by accident. Can I say that? You're here today not by accident. It was God in his love drawing you into this, into his presence to say, listen, I came, I came for you. I died for you. I rose for you. I want you. I want you to have this light. I want you to experience this fullness of joy. I want you to know that on my path in my kingdom is found life life abundance on this Christmas I hope you know that God came for you and he didn't just come to your town he came to your life he came to your heart and maybe right now in this moment you're thinking man I, God's doing I don't know what's happening right now in my heart but God's I just feel like God's drawing me to him let me just say to you, it's not by clever teachings or weird illustrations or bad stories. It's the Holy Spirit of God drawing you to him. Because he doesn't want you to live in darkness anymore. He wants you to live in light. And so if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior... If you've never let the Holy Spirit of God come and into your heart, I want to, don't leave here today. Don't leave here today without receiving him. 
receiving the gift that was offered to you. So I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to just bow your head, close your eyes. This is, this is not requirement of prayer, but this is just so that you can just quiet yourself, not be distracted by anybody next to you as best as you possibly can. But I just want you to receive this in this moment, an opportunity to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins so that you no longer have to live in darkness, but can live in light. So I'm going to lead you in this, what the Bible calls this confession. It's just a confession. It sounds like a prayer, but really the Bible tells us that we need to confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. And you don't have to under, understand all of that, but if you are sensing God, the Spirit of God, doing a work in your heart, I would just, I would take this opportunity and take this step, this, this, make this decision right now, right now, and then watch, watch what God does in your life. I would just ask if you just, in the quietness of where you're at, if you've never prayed this prayer or made this confession, right where you're standing to do that. Dear Heavenly Father, you sent your son. You left heaven. You are the word that became flesh, that put on flesh and blood. And you came to our town and for the last 2,000 years, you've been shining your light into our hearts. Father, we know that we are imperfect. But you are perfect. And you gave your life for our imperfection so that we can be forgiven so that we can be set free from all of our sins and know what it means to have the fullness of joy and pleasure forever and be on a path from here on out that only lead to eternal life. Lord, we thank you for this message of, of this good news, the gospel of your son Jesus and what this Christmas season always, always represents. Light of the world came into darkness. Thank you, in Jesus' name.